my body is ready. All of this just works. It just works. Who's laughing now? Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 103, the E3 reincarnated episode of the Game Groups podcast, the all-encompassing weekly gaming podcast from us, the Goodnight Groups. My name is Matt, and today I'm joined by Mike and Josh. No, Paul, because he's in France, where the naked ladies dance. I guess There's a hole that. in the wall. Where the men can see it all. Is this a reference? It's an, You didn't have that song when you were growing up? <laughs> no, I had like Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. No, it was one of those... You know, like kids always did like the the dirty songs or dirty limericks or whatever. Oh, yep. yep. That, was, that was one of them. That was one of them. Anyway, let's get right into things. Instead of asking you guys how you're doing this week, I want to ask everyone what their peak of the week has been... Josh, what's the best thing? The number one thing that happened to you this week? Honestly, it's probably just the Starfield Direct. It was uh, it was wonderful. It stopped a lot of the uh, worries I had with the game, or at least quelled quite a few of them. Uh, I, it was just nice. It was great to see Bethesda back at it, uh, and something that didn't resemble Fallout 76, or at least I hope. Yeah, it feels like a real win. We're going to get into it in the big question, but... It feels like Bethesda's first real big win in a while. Yeah, it was uh, pretty big. I was I was pleased by it as a as a resident Bethesda fanboy. Mike, what was the best thing that happened to you this week? Uh, Starfield. It's gonna be Starfield until it releases, and then it'll wow. be Starfield again. Whoa! I'm yeah. kind of I'm glad that you're happy about it and and hyped about it. I'm a little surprised by that. We'll talk about it when we were watching the stream. I know you were. Like every time you saw something new, you were like, okay, it's getting better and better. And like, I know at first you were worried, like they're going to keep showing stuff and eventually it was going to get to a point where your your interest was actually waning, but it was the opposite. You kept getting more interested. We'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, my peak was playing more Diablo 4 and we'll talk about it in the water cooler, but I did finish the story and then streaming the summer game fest events obviously starfield was a part of that but i really did enjoy streaming all of those events and then even the ones that we didn't stream but we're just like talking about in discord when we were watching them that was fun the pc gaming show i kind of like struggled through but it was still it was still fun it's still fun to see new stuff even if it's not the most exciting stuff for me all right but let's move on we're gonna play chat gpt said what in ChatGPT said, what? I asked ChatGPT two different questions, and our panelists have to guess how ChatGPT responded to each of the questions. There are no winners or losers. We're just making fun of old ChatGPT. We're going to play two quick rounds. All right, so guys, the first thing that I asked was, if Mario and Luigi weren't plumbers, what other careers would best fit their skill sets? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, HVAC technicians. <laughs> that would be logical for ChatGPT. Yep, that's my guess. What ChatGPT say? It's gonna be something stupid about. Did you specifically say skill set? I did. Mm. 
It's gonna say something dumb about how like their skill set of jumping and running on in a platformer doesn't apply to normal career paths. <laughs> That's my guess. You don't think professional basketball player is on the uh, on the list? No, maybe for <laughs> Luigi. Definitely not Mario. There you go. All right, so. So ChatGPT said, if Mario and Luigi weren't plumbers, there are several careers that could suit their skill sets and personalities. Here are a few possibilities. One, adventurers. Mario and Luigi are known for their bravery, agility, and problem-solving skills. They could become professional adventurers, exploring new lands, discovering treasures, and facing various challenges along the way. All right, next we have construction workers. Given their experience with pipes and fixing things, Mario and Luigi would excel in the construction industry. They could use, they could work as skilled laborers using their expertise to build and repair structures. <laughs> Great. The next one, professional athletes. Mario and Luigi are inc- incredibly athletic and have demonstrated their prowess in various sports-themed games. They could even pursue careers as professional athletes participating in events such as kart racing, tennis, <laughs> soccer, or even the Mushroom Kingdom's version of the Olympics. How about a real-life version of the Olympics? Yeah. <laughs> that was what our question was. How is one paid to be an adventurer? What's that career path like? I believe that's a, a PMC these days. We call that the uh, the Nathan Drake uh, career. Oh, okay. So a couple more. Chefs or restaurateurs. Mario and Luigi have shown a love for food throughout their adventures, often collecting ingredients and cooking meals. They could become chefs or open their own restaurants, delighting customers with their culinary creations. How frequently are Mario and Luigi cooking? Did I miss a fucking Is memo? It based on the Mario Party cooking mini games maybe otherwise it's thinking of zelda or blink whatever is there is there more to this list there's three more is doctor on the list it's not oh chat gpt you you're dead to me all right next one (laughs) entertainers with their colorful personalities and iconic status mario and luigi could thrive in the entertainment industry they could become performers entertainers or even start their own comedy act bringing joy to audiences worldwide. I disagree, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike, I think you'll like this next one. Engineers or inventors? I disagree. Move on. Mario and Luigi <laughs> possess problem-solving skills and a knack for mechanical devices. They could channel their talents into engineering or invention, creating innovative gadgets and machines to help others. They're plumbers that jump. all right last one heroes for hire mario and luigi could use their heroic nature to become professional heroes for hire they could offer their services to those in need taking on quests and missions to rescue princesses defeat villains and save the day sounds like a mercenary i could see see (laughs) mario and luigi becoming the next dog the bounty hunter i can see it some like fucking special ops yeah international special ops that's just called vigilantism and i'm pretty sure that's illegal <laughs> remember there are just a few po- these are just a few possibilities and the mushroom kingdom's dynamic duo could excel in many other careers depending on the context of their specific skills and interests all right <laughs> let's lighten the mood a little bit the next <laughs> the next question that i have for chat gbt is was arthas actually in the right 
Oh my God, Jesus Christ. No. <laughs> Josh, Josh, for anyone who's not aware, give us a quick breakdown of the culling of Stratholme. All right, so uh, there's these bad plague boxes in Stratholme, which is a city. All the people mistakenly eat from the bad plague boxes because they want to start the scourge up in Lordaeron, the scourge from the Lich King in Northern, yada, yada. Arthas goes to stop it. The plague has already started. Instead of walling or shielding the city off, he opts to fucking purge the son of a bitch and kill every infected person in there, or every person in there infected or no. But yeah, that's basically the quick rundown. And then he does it. And then, well, you know what happens to Arthas from there. So what do you think ChatGPT said about this? I wish I could put my finger on it, but there's enough debate in the community that maybe it, it can't come to an exact decision, mm. but that the decision was was tough to make is what okay. I think it said. It's going to say that it can't make a determination on good or bad because it can't take a stance like that, but it will then summarize the events that occurred. Okay. Well, here's how ChatGPT answered. The question of whether Arthas, the central character in the Warcraft universe, was, quote, in the right is a matter of interpretation and personal opinion. Arthas, <laughs> <laughs> Arthas Menethil, the Prince of Lordaeron, plays a prominent role in Warcraft lore and undergoes a significant transformation throughout the storyline. Arthas initially sets out on a quest to save his kingdom from the Scourge, a malevolent undead force threatening Lordaeron. As he delves Deeper into his missions, he becomes consumed by darkness and eventually takes up Frostmourne, a cursed runeblade. This act corrupts him further and leads to a series of tragic events, including the destruction of Quelphalas and the eventual merger of his soul with that of the Lich King, the ruler of the Scourge. We're really getting a, a background here. <laughs> Uh -huh. Some argue that Arthas' actions were justified by the threat of the Scourge and the need to protect his people. They believe that he made difficult choices to ensure the survival of Lordaeron, even if they were morally questionable. From this perspective, Arthas' descent into darkness was a necessary sacrifice for the greater good. On the other hand, many view Arthas' actions as a tragic fall from grace, where his pursuit of power and vengeance corrupted him and led to the suffering of countless innocent lives. They argue that his choices were driven by personal ambition and a willingness to sacrifice anything, including his own humanity, to achieve his goals. From this perspective, Arthas' actions were morally wrong, as he became a ruthless tyrant and caused immense devastation. Ultimately, whether Arthas was, quote, in the right is subjective and open to interpretation. The Warcraft lore presents a complex character whose actions were shaped by various influences and circumstances. Different individuals may hold different views on his motivations and the morality of his choices. So basically, what's you what you said, Josh? That was pretty on point. Pretty. He's just a moderate Andy. He's yeah. like, <laughs> can't make up his mind. Glad you could make it, Uther. Glad you could bake it, Uther. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the big question. Last week we had Jeff Keighley's Summer Game Fest, aka Key Three. The week featured the titular Summer Game Fest event, the Xbox Showcase, and Starfield Direct. Ubisoft Forward, Devolver Digital's Showcase, the Capcom Showcase, the PC Gaming Show, and a large serving of smaller indie game showcases. So guys, here's the question. What are our overall impressions from Summer Game Fest? What were some of the standouts? What were some of the disappointments? Okay, so I'm going to 
sort of direct us in this conversation? Because the way that I broke down my thoughts were by show. And so I'll start with the show and then we can sort of just have an open conversation about that. And then if there's one that I didn't touch on that someone else wants to, you can feel free to jump in. I didn't actually have anything from any of the independent game shows just because nothing really showed up on like my news feeds that came from those. So I don't, I'm sure there were interesting things at those shows, a couple standouts here and there, but nothing personally showed up. I didn't watch everything like I did last year because at a certain point you get burnt out on these when there's so many happening, it, it can get a little uh, old after a little while. But first off, let's just jump right into the Xbox showcase. I thought this was interesting. This was an interesting showcase. I know that prior to the showcase, we had heard first-party stuff is going to be gameplay trailers and in-engine trailers, no CGI trailers. The issue that I have with that is that something like Fable, it was an in-engine trailer, but it might as well have been a CGI trailer. I mean, the the difference between CGI and in-engine these days, if you're not showing any gameplay, is basically nothing. I mean, there's really not any difference between those things anymore. So you, it was a, it was kind of a cheeky way to get out of that and to throw shade at Sony for their show when they really just did the same thing for a lot of their games. I'm going to start off with Fable because that basically opened the show. I think that was the first thing. If not first, it was second. I'm worried about Fable. We didn't see true gameplay. They're clearly going in a very different direction. They're, they're really just, in my opinion, it looks like they're it's Fable in name only. They're really just using the name to attach whatever this game is going to be to the franchise because, I don't know, it just looks very different. It doesn't look... It doesn't have that Fable look. I, I know that some of the humor is along the lines of the old Fable humor, but I'm worried about this game. The fact that we didn't see true gameplay also, and this has been in development forever. In Engine, it looks pretty, but... I was never worried about that. This is the this is Playground Games, the Forza Horizon developer, so I was never worried about it looking really good. It's just how the fuck does Fable run properly in the Forza engine? I have no idea how that's going to work. But uh what do you what do you guys think about Fable? These initial initial thoughts on this. It's it's a really tough read because I only played a little bit of Fable 2, a decent bit of Fable 3 and only a little bit of Fable 1. Uh, the thing I can say between all those games is even though the art was older and it got newer as you know the games went on, the art stayed pretty true to itself. It was very cartoony, bombastic, over the top. It almost reminded me of WoW. Like when I yeah. look at Fable One, I look and see like vanilla WoW, uh, and it's just kind of charming. I like that about it, and I hope they don't take that away. I see the charm they're going for in Fable now it, with the Jack and the Beanstalk stuff. It, it seems interesting i just don't know how well that's gonna land it's just it's honestly a tough tough read regardless because we just didn't see any gameplay you know is it gonna be super heavy action style is it gonna be more witcherish uh where it's a little slower who who knows i think it's gonna hinge on that and then we go from there i it really is like this this almost told us nothing other than hey we've made a little bit of progress on the story side of things uh which means there's a game somewhere it's just them not showing us anything, maybe it's just a move on Xbox's part to only show it to us when when it's absolutely ready to be shown, uh, instead of just you know hinging you know hedging their bets uh, and just throwing it out there. But I I'm not sure. I'm I'm like fifty fifty on it. I'm not sure how to feel 
I'm naturally excited for it just because, you know, new Xbox exclusive is, is cool, but I'm just a little bit, a little wary uh, since we still don't have gameplay. The, I'd say the general direction, though, I'd say if they play their cards right, it, it could probably land. I It's just, it's a tough call right now without seeing more of it. I was a little confused with the trailer because the actor Richard Ayoade, is that how you say his name? Who? <laughs> okay. I, he's, I, people like him. He's he's the guy who played the narrator in the trailer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the guy from. Uh, I forget what he's from. The IT crowd is. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. He was playing, I guess, like a giant because he was much larger yes. than the player character. He's a he's a giant named Dave. But I'm confused by like he's wearing like a modern pair of glasses. I, like I'm, I'm confused with what's going on, like where we are in like s- space and time in this game. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a little. I'm confused by what they're. I, I just don't really understand. His glasses are made out of wood. I, I'm rewatching the video right okay. now. Okay, is it wood or is it like? No, they're wood. Okay, they're wooden glasses. I think it's fine. I think I think it's okay. I get why we might be worried about Fable because we've seen like nothing. Yeah. I think that whole like we keep saying that we didn't see gameplay footage and I feel like that whole encounter with said giant where like you're running through flames and trying to avoid getting kicked. I feel like that was actual gameplay, but it's going to be a quick time event. Mm. And that's what that was. Um, I also feel like they released this trailer for one reason, and that was to let people know that the tone of Fable is the same as what yeah, it was. For sure. Because I feel like that was, with a new studio doing it, I feel like that was a big concern. And the fact that it's a full reboot, people are concerned. It's the same concerns that people have over the KOTOR remake, which is uh, who the fuck knows where that is of is it going to stay true to the namesake that it's claiming? And I think it is. I think it's going a more whimsical route than the original Fables. I think that could be fine with the tone that Fable presented back then and presents now. So no, I don't feel great about Fable, but I also don't feel bad about it because all I saw was a trailer on tone and that's it. Yeah, yeah, we need to see more. I mean, you're right. This yeah. trailer was to to show the tone and to reassure everyone that the game is still happening, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah, it's fine. So another game that showed up that we've long been wanting to see was Avowed. And I think Avowed looks interesting, but I am officially keeping my expectations in check for this one. I won't be surprised at all if it's smaller in scale very similar to the Outer Worlds. I'm a little worried about that. I think that there's something to be said about smaller, about a game being smaller, if this makes any sense, like horizontally, but deeper on like the uh, Y-axis, like where you might have deep choices and, and a lot of branches, but the actual game itself is smaller in scope. I think that that's sort of what they're going for here, which is similar to what Outer, Outer Worlds was. whereas Initially, it was sort of, we got this idea that it was going to be Obsidian's Skyrim. And at this point, I don't think that that's what this is. I do think that this is basically medieval fantasy version of the Outer Worlds, which is fine. 
I just don't know if at the end of the day it's going to be what I wanted out of it or what the Pillars of Eternity fan base would want out of something like this. But I don't know. What do you guys think about Avowed? It looks like a first-person RPG from Oblivion. So From Obsidian? Yeah. You had the a Freudian slip that it looks like Oblivion yeah. because it does. I mean, <laughs> it does it kind does. of look like Oblivion. No, it just looks like an Obsidian game, which is fine. So whatever. I mean, I think I'd prefer a more serious Obsidian RPG. I think Outer Worlds 1 was fine, but very shallow and very much like we're doing this and we don't know if people like it. So here it is. Uh, Whereas Avowed, I think they're more all in on the they're bought in on the idea. I think it's fine. I think I'll be happy to play it. I think I agree that it I mean, they even said that they went deep. They did not go wide with the game. So what that means, who knows? But I mean, I trust Obsidian to write a good RPG because that's what they excel at. I'm fine with Avowed. I think people who (laughs) the people bitching about the lack of Elder Scrolls six at (laughs) Bethesda show and the uh, Microsoft show are why would they show Elder Scrolls six when they showed Avowed? (laughs) Like, yeah, I don't even know if there's any. I doubt there's even anything to show for Elder Scrolls 6. I feel like we're still way, way off from that. Yeah. So, Josh, about? I wish I could be more excited for this. I really, really want to be. I'm more excited for this. You know what? That's a lie. I was really excited for Outer Worlds because it's a new RPG from Obsidian. It kind of gives you that Fallout vibe with all the, you know, all the eclectic things and the weird over the top corporations and the, the satire and humor everywhere. It was all very, you know, obsidian. Uh, and then it was just as shallow as a pool, uh, or, or sorry, as shallow as a puddle. And honestly, probably about as wide as an above ground pool. Uh, <laughs> there just wasn't a whole lot to do in outer worlds. You had some choices and they did matter. And there was a little depth there, but your companions to me were bland and dull. Uh, it just, it really did, to, to Mike's point, it really did feel like they they just released it and were nervous about it, didn't go as all in as they could because they didn't want to have a flop. And it was an all right game. It was fine. I'm sure it made the numbers they wanted it to. But overall, I, I kind of felt like it was a disappointment. I never even finished it. And, you know, the last Obsidian game I played that wasn't uh, <laughs> that wasn't Outer Worlds was Fallout New Vegas. So, right. You know, as far as they go, last time I played one of their games, I played it all the way through. So uh, it was just a little, a little weird and concerning. So I say all that to bring it back to a valve, and I want to be excited for it, like I was Outer Worlds at the beginning. It's just hard to get really, really excited for it because it's just there's something about the art style that kind of throws me off. I think I may like it uh, once I get used to it. I just I don't know how much that's gonna stick. Because it, it bothered me in, in Outer Worlds. It felt a little uncanny valley-ish at times. The faces were all pretty off. Like, yeah, the faces are not good in Fallout 4, but it seems like Obsidian just has this issue with their faces. Uh, and I just hope that they're able to kind of remedy that with Avowed also. I don't know. I'm kind of rambling. I, I, I want to say I'm, I'm going to like it. I, I think I will enjoy playing it. Uh, I just hope that the choices matter a little more. The companions are a little more impactful and important. Uh, and I hope the story can pull me in a bit more because it just didn't in Outer Worlds. 
Yeah, I was a little concerned that the art style has changed since that first teaser that we saw two years ago. And it looks like they went the more colorful, cartoony route. Very similar to Outer Worlds, actually. I mean, if the game plays well, then it won't be an issue. But I don't know. I, I preferred the art style that we saw in the original teaser. I do have a hot take, a put it on the fridge sort of moment real quick. It's more related to Obsidian than Avowed, but I do think the Outer Worlds 2 is going to end up never coming out. I think that game's going to be canceled. Damn, you think so? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's coming out. Wasn't it like really close, though? I don't though? think that's true. I think, no, it, I it think it's got to come out. It wasn't close when they uh, announced it. Oh, because they didn't give a date. It's... They just said, like, it'll be out eventually. It, yeah, it was, it was a silly trailer. It was like... There's a trailer saying, why are we doing a trailer? We've got nothing to show. Yeah. I don't think the game's coming out. I think the only way we don't get Outer Worlds 2 is if Avowed just shits the bed. I think the only way we don't get of Outer Worlds 2 is if Obsidian doesn't exist anymore. Well? I think Obsidian loves Outer Worlds. I think Obsidian loves doing Outer Worlds, and I think Microsoft would not tell them, hey, stop doing something that you like. I guess another sort of put-it-on-the-fridge moment, I wouldn't be surprised if in a few years Obsidian is basically just... Um, absorbed into other studios at Microsoft. Spicy take. We will have to see. <laughs> yeah. The reason why we didn't see any Outer Worlds is because we saw Starfield. Well, I don't know if there's much to show with Outer Worlds too. Still, Obsidian is still a bit of a smaller studio, and that's my thing. I think I, I could see them eventually being made even smaller and just doing games sort of like Pentiment, but we'll have to see. All right, so. A couple other things. I'm just going to run through them. If you guys have anything to say afterward, you can just jump in with, with your stuff from the event. But the Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth trailer made me feel like I really need to go play the first Like a Dragon game. That trailer was maybe my favorite of the show. Just really funny. I like this idea of sort of fish out of water. I couldn't tell where where he was. It could have been like a California beach. It could have been like Miami. I guess like... Could have been Hawaii. I saw someone say it might have been Hawaii, which something like Hawaii or California would make much more sense uh, in relation to Japan than than Miami. But it did look like uh, it looks like it's going to be just a really fun game. South of Midnight, really cool visually. We didn't see any gameplay at all, though. Uh, Apparently, it's it's a Monster Hunter type game. So that's something that I'm really going to need to see in action before I can make any sort of judgment on it, because I'm not big into the Monster Hunter type games, so I'll have to see if it's doing stuff differently or not. If it's not really, if it's really just copy-pasting with a different visual style, albeit a really cool visual style, I still don't think I'll be very interested. Hellblade 2 trailer was... uh, It was was a Hellblade 2 trailer. Uh, It was like a (laughs) totally out-of-context, random fucking cinematic. It's been seven years since the first game. This is probably going to be a short game. I think the first game stood out because it was a time when these sort of slower walking sims were really shining and it was more than a walking sim because it had these cool puzzles and this cool audio and some combat, but it really was kind of a glorified walking sim. I loved the first game, but it's been a while. I think my excitement for the sequel has has died down quite a bit and 2024 like it's just you've been working on this game for a long time i know you're a small studio but you also have another project going on which we don't know anything about project mara it's a lot going on 
Yeah, that cinematic did nothing to make me give a shit. Like, it was pretty, and I was, I've always been interested in it, just based on screenshots and stuff, and this did nothing to make me want to be like, all right, I'll play it. I was like, I will fuck this shit. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's talk about Starfield. Obviously, the Starfield Direct after the Xbox showcase, I think that we all found it pretty damn impressive. I think this game looks really, really fun, really deep. Looks like there's going to be so much shit to do. One of those worlds you can really just get lost in. I'm excited about it, but I want you guys to talk about it more. So, Mike, let's go to you first. What are your thoughts on what you saw from the Starfield Direct? Uh, leaps and bounds better than last year. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I wish Todd Howard was not allowed to speak, but otherwise, uh, really great. Yeah, I just... The Direct started, and I was expecting more of what we saw last year and we didn't really get that last year we got a like 15 minute gameplay trailer in which they played the game for 15 minutes it looked like fucking dog shit yeah i'm gonna be honest it looked like uh we put fallout in space yay yeah i'm tired of the rhetoric of let's go visit thousands of planets and they'll all be unique because we all know they won't we all know that procedurally generated spaces will start feeling samey at around like you know the 100 hour mark which it's a bethesda rpg you can dump several hundred hours into it so like i just wish that rhetoric would stop i don't find it impressive it doesn't sell me the game to sit there and say look our engine kept can sit there and that planet is really moving around that system and it you can see it from your planet and i'm like i i don't care todd like <laughs> i'm not going i can walk outside and do the same thing with a telescope you don't <laughs> see me buying a telescope so i just i wish that rhetoric would go away that being said after todd got up there and did his used car salesman speech they got to talk to the other devs and everything the other devs talked about was great because you could see people that actually gave a shit about what they were doing. And it felt like in the year that we had between last Summer Games Fest and this Summer Games Fest, we were actually able to see a more complete version of a, a of a Bethesda game. So being able to see all the systems that they put in that aren't you know, oh my God, planets rotate, the shipbuilding, the <laughs> gun system, the skill trees, how they work, how, you know, if, if Todd wanted to like impress us with something, the thing that was impressive was the fact that if you're in zero G, the gun that you're using matters, like you will propel yourself yeah. backwards with a ballistic weapon. Like that's neat. Other games have done it, but it's neat that it's in this game. Like the attention to detail from the other devs talking about the game is what sold me on the game itself and the freedom that they seem to have given the game also has sold me. I think everyone, every gaming outlet has quoted the stealing the sandwiches bit because it was hilarious. And yeah. also it, it's a scene stealer, but like that is the epitome of a Bethesda game. Like what, what are you doing in Skyrim? Oh, uh, you know, go around, take people's shit collect it throw it in my house and then you open the door and the physics goes nuts and all the items go flying and you die um <laughs> like that's that's a bethesda game i thought the shipbuilding was probably the most impressive part the part that will suck me in the most 
Um, it's wild that you can build a ship and then walk through the ship and yeah, also fly crazy. the ship. That's insane. I love the fact that you have to m monitor your energy usage like that. The attention to detail to both the ship designing and the ship flying is what really pushed it over the edge because like they could have easily just put in a basic dogfighting in space mechanic with shitty flying and it you know it might handle poorly we we have no idea because we haven't played it but like at the very least there are systems that uh were put in place that show an amount of care towards that actual gameplay element um it's not just an afterthought yeah i couldn't believe that when you customize your ship it also affects the interior that is walkable that's crazy yeah that's that's awesome i think they like put an emphasis on the fact that like you can romance people yeah i think bethesda sucks at romance storylines so i don't really care but it's nice that it's in there i guess it'll it'll allow you from cheese to time to time and just you know it's a nice little touch on the world but yeah it's never well written it's just always a nice little fun thing yeah yeah i, I hope i can marry lydia again and then <laughs> have her die in the first like dungeon that i walk into yeah I think the cities were varied enough and fine. I, I I don't know. The 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 scope of the game isn't what's going to sell me. Like I don't care how big it is. It's just I want it to feel like a Bethesda RPG. I want it to feel like I have choice. And I love the fact that there's no voice protagonist. I love the fact that uh it looks like what you what you say is what you select because uh the rotary dial from Fallout 4 sucked ass. Yeah, there's a lot of text in those options. So I, I imagine mm -hmm. it's it's writing out everything that you say. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm very optimistic. I think last year we called it space optimism, and I think I'm there. Yeah, it was episode one of Game Groups. <laughs> it was yeah. a Holy big shit. Starfield discussion. That was before we really knew much about it. I don't even remember what we talked about exactly. Obviously, something had just happened for starfield i don't remember what it was maybe it was the initial release date i'm not sure but we've almost gone full circle the game is almost finally out and i'm ready for it i mean i was excited for it just because i just want a big bethesda rpg to to play around in but this last like 45 minute direct that we saw has similar to mike just totally sold me on the game i mean every thing that they went over was impressive. There was nothing that I was like, that looks like I'm not really going to have much fun with it or I could care less about this. No, I mean, everything I I was excited about. And, and ship customization is not something that I would normally be pulled in by, but here it just looks really fun. Like they're doing it in a really cool way and you can get super granular, granular with it or you can be more basic about it. I like that they give you different approaches to that as well. Josh, what are your impressions? Boy, goddamn, where to start? I honestly, for me, something that really just stood out to me just off the rip was that the combat looked way smoother than they originally showed it. Oh, you yeah. know, I'm sure it's not going to be just perfect, but it, it looked like it's serviceable, which is all it has to be in an RPG like this. And I, frankly, I think it looked kind of fun, too. It, like, the headshots look kind of satisfying. Depending on builds, it may not be as fun or satisfying, but looking like using a sniper... And stealth, I mean, I, it looked like a lot of fun. What can I say? That out of the way, I, honestly, 
the environments looked incredible. Uh, the music was a blast. I, I'm not so sold on the Thousand Planets thing. I uh, still think that's going to probably just kind of turn into just busy work by the end of it when you finish the game. I agree. Uh, but, but I do think that we're going to get solid, thorough exploration. It's going to be better exploration than we've really ever had in a Bethesda game, just on a much larger scale. Uh, my hope with the time they've taken to make this is we're going to get really solid quests uh, in this one to make it worth to do all that exploring because I feel like that's something we lacked uh, kind of in Skyrim and Fallout 4. We had them in both, but not to the scale, in my opinion, of like Fallout 3 and uh, Oblivion. I feel like they had a little more varied quest variety, and it was just a little more interesting to me. I hope they go back to that, but it looks like they're they're wanting to. I, I loved the adoring fans showing up. Yeah, uh, That was such a nice touch. Part of me almost wishes they wouldn't have showed anything on it, but I think you True. could tell they just they just wanted to throw it out there just as like a, hey, here you go, we're listening kind of thing. And I, I was about it. It was cool. It's cool to see the guy get all the love on Twitter for it, too. It's awesome. But I, I really, really got to say that the skills looked really fantastic. It oh, reminded yeah. me of Fallout 3. It reminded me of Fallout 3 with a nice play on Skyrim's yeah. level up system. Yeah. I, I like the idea of having to get challenges to make your shit more powerful uh, or to, to sit next to a certain skill. So that way you have to play as that style instead of, you know, just fucking your way around and making your, making your level go up just by doing some bullshit. Uh, I, I really, really enjoyed that. And I, I think it's going to be able to allow you to make some really varied characters, which I think is important because I think that's something they lacked uh, in Fallout 4 in particular was, was variation and, and, roles you could play and i it's nice to see them going back to that it feels like you're going to be able to do do what you want to which is nice i i think i've just played so much fallout 4 uh as my most recent game that i kind of felt like my ability to just go on my own and do what i wanted to is taken away from me uh and and it's glad that i'm glad that it looks like they're trying to get that back to us the shipbuilding, my God, I know we've touched on it, but I, I'll, I'll be brief. It looks insane. I, if it's, if it's going to grab me anything like the settlements did in Fallout 4, I'm going to be stuck with it all the time. The only thing I'm worried about is I'm going to get a ship design I really like, and then I'm going to be mad as fuck when I have to change it. If like we get a new storage upgrade, or yeah. if I got to find a place <laughs> to put the better guns, like I, that'll be part of the fun because I, I, I hope they'll. It looks like they've improved upon the settlement system of Fallout 4 and actually given us a goddamn grid to work with. Uh, thank Christ for that. Uh, and also the outpost building. The outpost building looks really neat. It, it looks just like an offshoot. It's not yeah. something that's all that important you have to do, which is great for someone like me who, who's going to do them like crazy, and it's great for someone like Mike who's not going to fuck around with them and deal with them all that much aside from what's asked of them in the, the beginning or something. Like That, to me, is, is really where they nailed it. And I just... <sighs> I gotta say, I'm with y'all. I'm excited. The game. This has made me thoroughly stoked for Starfield. I'm gonna play the shit out of Diablo for the next however many months, and then Starfield's gonna come out, and it's gonna have me by the balls, and it's all I'm gonna be able to play. Uh, and it, it really, it, it makes you wonder where this game was at when Phil Spencer walked into Bethesda Studios and was like, yeah. "Yo, holy shit, we gotta delay this." Thing. Yeah. Uh, so praise be to Phil for that because it, it sounds like he may have really saved the day on this one because. If it was anything like what was originally shown, we might have been in trouble. And what they showed us was a fucking home run. Yeah, you talked about the skills looking like a combination of Fallout and Skyrim. And I think the whole game looks like they just took the best parts of Fallout and Elder Scrolls and put it together. And that's Starfield. And I think that's 
obviously the right way to go about it, but it's also just Bethesda doing what they do best. And you can't really ask for more than that. I am looking back at the show notes for episode one, and it was right after the Xbox and Bethesda showcase. And it was Starfield releasing November 11th, 2022, which obviously didn't happen. And we had just got the first in-engine footage, which opened the showcase. And so we were talking about our impressions from that trailer. And I think we were all pretty hyped on it at the time. And then I know last year we saw gameplay and a little less hyped after we saw that. And then the hype is back now because we liked what we saw from the new 45 minutes. So they reeled us back in. It was probably one of the most impressive like showcases I think I've seen in the modern era of like gaming showcases. Wow. I, Bethesda knows how to fucking market, man. Like they did that all effectively without Todd. Like they just had their developers come up. You could tell that they gave a shit and it was nice to watch. It's definitely up there among the most effective single game deep dives I've seen. Just very thorough, but also concise. Mm-hmm. Like they, they told you, they went over all the features that they needed to go over. They told you just enough that you needed to know but they also have so much going on that that's why it was 45 minutes, but it was just really well put together. Okay, so let's talk about some of the other events real quick. So Summer Game Fest, the opening event, I thought it was a bit disappointing. I thought it was nice seeing Final Fantasy VII Rebirth and Mortal Kombat 1, but these are also games that we knew were coming, so it wasn't a surprise, but it was nice seeing Rebirth and getting a little bit of a better picture as to what that's going to be. Mortal Kombat 1, not for me, but it was fun seeing the gameplay. The game looks really good. I'm just not a fighting game kind of guy. Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown, welcomed surprise. The game looks really fun. I know people are going to hate on the art style, and I do think it feels a little bit off. It's just not what anyone would have expected. But the gameplay itself looks really fun. That's the most important part, especially for a game like this. But my favorite part of the show, and then as soon as I finish up with this, we can go to you guys, see if you had any thoughts from Summer Game Fest. But my favorite part of the show by far was the Alan Wake 2 gameplay trailer. I think this game is looking really good, and I think it's going to be coming out at the perfect time, like two weeks before Halloween. It just looks like this really solid, high-level graphics, linear storyline that's going to be have great character development, have some twists and turns, have a little bit of horror to it, and some solid action. And sometimes I just want a a game that's going to tell me a a good story. And I think Alan Wake 2 is really shaping up to be that game. Mike, do you have any thoughts from the Summer Game Fest event? Uh, I think it needs to be like half an hour shorter, and I think it was fine. I agree. We talked a little bit about it on stream. It needs to be shorter and it probably needs to be rebranded to being like the opening of the summer event or something like that. Like because we have all these these first party shows and all these shows are back now. So like Xbox is doing their own thing. PlayStation was even back this year. Nintendo is rumored to be doing a showcase, a direct later this month or early July. Now that everyone is back, Ubisoft doing their own thing, Summer Game Fest was never going to have enough to stand on its own, so it really should have just rebranded. They should, Keely, name the whole thing Summer Game Fest, but rebrand your specific event to like the kickoff or something like that. Josh, what about you? Uh, incredibly meh. Nothing wowed me. Uh, it was all just kind of, okay, well, it's here. 
I Final Fantasy was probably the most interesting thing that they showed. Uh, other than that, I was very much underwhelmed. I just, I yeah, half hour shorter, and I maybe maybe Sony and Xbox can give a little and let let O'Keeley have at on some of the action because I mean his events clearly bring in the numbers. Uh, but then again, why should they? It's their own showcases. I don't know. I was I was pretty unimpressed by it. I I think. You know, Final Fantasy was neat. Prince of Persia was neat. Cool to get a release date on Spider-Man. But on the whole, I just kind of think it was un- underwhelming, to say the least. It-, it just didn't really seem to have that magic. Part of me feels like that PlayStation showcase from two years ago has just destroyed our expectations for these shows. Because that was just first-party hit after first-party hit. And even the some of the PlayStation showcases in the years prior to that when they were ending PlayStation 4 and they would have the show that was like Spider-Man, uh, Ghost of Tsushima, Last of Us Part 2, and God of War, it's like, I think we got a little bit spoiled at the end of the 2010s, and then now everything we have such high expectations for, and it's really, like, these are probably, compared to what we saw years ago, I think these are all pretty good shows. It's just... It's just our expectations maybe are a little bit out of whack. I don't know. I'm I'm trying to. It, it's something that I've been thinking about because I feel like we still we saw good shit. It's just like it's not it's not quite what we wanted to be. Everything is so much more spread out now. But next up, we had Ubisoft Forward. I thought this was surprisingly good. I think it's mostly good because I think they didn't do an event last year. I could be wrong on that. I don't think they had an event last year. I think they skipped it because they didn't have anything to show. They can't. They come out. They've got Avatar, Frontiers of Pandora. Very pretty. It looks like a Far Cry game with a coat of Avatar paint on it, which I think is fine. I like Far Cry for the most part. So I, I don't think it's going to like break boundaries, but it looks pretty. We had Assassin's Creed Mirage. I think it looks like an Xbox 360 game with modern visuals, which is not a bad thing. It's just back to the basics, something that I think Assassin's Creed desperately needs. I don't know. I think this game could actually be... I Here's my thing with Assassin's Creed Mirage is I think it's not going to sell as well as some of the previous Assassin, Assassin's Creed games, but I think it's going to be a much more critical darling. So it's going to be interesting to see how Ubisoft reconciles that. And then finally, the, the last thing I want to point out is Star Wars Outlaws. This game is really intriguing. I think the open world looked really pretty. It looked big. It was impressive. The gunplay looked solid enough. I'm interested in this game. I want to see more, but it it, it has my attention now. I'm not going to say I'm hyped for it, but it has my attention. Mike, let's go to you, though. Do you have any thoughts on Ubisoft Forward? Uh, absolutely none, because I didn't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> you saw Star Wars Outlaws, right? Yeah. And I think it looks interesting. It looks fine. There's just like one. I feel like all Star Wars games are starting to look the exact same. Yeah. I feel like that's an issue. Like a big one. Like I feel like if you didn't tell me that this was Outlaws, I might have been like. If you sat there and you're like, all right, this is actually footage from Jedi Survivor. You play as a separate character, blah, 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 like through part of it. I would have been like, oh, that's cool. Like I would have believed you. Or like DLC or something. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It looks fine. I'm interested to see if it actually works the way it's proposed to work. If it actually 
you know, delivers or if it's boring and lifeless. But who knows? It looks fine. Well, as the resident Assassin's Creed fan, did you see Mirage? Do you have any thoughts on that? I've not seen anything (laughs) on Mirage. All right. Well, Assassin's Creed is now dead to Mike, it, it would seem. No, I just I didn't care to watch a Ubisoft show. <laughs> Josh, do you have any thoughts on this one? I didn't watch the show. I'll have quick fire thoughts just about what happened though, just because I kept up. Uh the crew coming back was interesting. Oh, yeah. Uh I don't know why that happened. Um <laughs> uh, Assassin's Creed Barrage does look neat, but I, yeah, Assassin's Creed kind of lost me. Avatar Frontiers of Pandora. You want to know why I don't like those games? Because <laughs> I just think the Avatar universe is fucking lame. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, Star Wars Outlaws. I, I hate to to hammer on them to Star Wars, but they all are just kind of looking the same. Like the Old Republic look like shit, or Star Wars The Old Republic looks like shit, but <laughs> at least it looks different. Yeah. I, I do think it's pretty, though. I will give it credit in that regard. It's a good-looking game. That's why, but like the whole thing about Star Wars looking samey is why I think I like the prequels so much because they actually look different. Like yeah, they yeah. they feel totally different from the rest of Star Wars. I know it's a hot take, but I like them. They've they've grown on me over the years. I I, I I'll give them a little bit of credit. I've watched at two times speed like half of the <laughs> Assassin's Creed stuff. <laughs> Looks all right. Yeah, I don't. I hope they take these out because I hate them when he like gets on like a zip line with his hands for some fucking reason. I was um, just going to bring it goes that into up. like a <laughs> cinematic view. I'm just like, no, that's so it's so off putting because it's like you're running and you jump on this thing and then it swaps to a completely different camera angle. And it's like you have no control while he goes down the zip line. Right. And then it goes back to behind him. I'm like, what? What are you doing? It's so weird. And like when he pulled down the like the shelving unit that was there, like it, weird, just weird decisions. And I don't know if I like that we're back in. I guess this is this supposed to be Middle East. Yeah, I assume it's Middle East. I know you're Basim. Yeah, you're in Baghdad. I don't know if I want that. I have bad memories of Assassin's Creed one. Oh, Assassin's Creed one wasn't a good game. <laughs> Like let's let's all be honest, it wasn't great. It was a tech demo. <laughs> yeah, kind of. It was a slog. I had to force myself to play through it, but then they took what they learned from it and made Assassin's Creed 2, which was phenomenal, and then Brotherhood, which was I think the pinnacle of the Assassin's Creed franchise, and ever since then they've never been able to f- catch the Ezio magic. And I don't know, like Assassin's Creed Origin was in Egypt and I just, it was like, I don't want to be back in desert. And now we're back in Baghdad and I'm just like, I don't, it's like, it's like I have PTSD. Like I, I like Altair. I like his story. I don't know that I like this, but we'll see. Um, I'll probably play it. I still have to play Valhalla because I haven't, but I will at some point just play through it. Yeah, I don't know. It looks good. I I think I like the emphasis. This is what I want. This is what I want from my fucking Assassin's Creed game. I want emphasis on being an assassin and not being like, like, I love Ezio, but I think 
as much as I love Brotherhood in two and think that it's like the pinnacle of Assassin's Creed, it introduced a very unfortunate thing of being just like a master weaponsman. I say weaponsman because you use just like whatever around you and just murder everyone. And it's like, I want to go back to having to be able to like stealth and not get into giant fights and just like insta kill all the guys with counterattacks. Like I want to, I I want the gameplay ideas of the first Assassin's Creed, but with like the execution that was given in Assassin's Creed 2. That game doesn't exist yet, and maybe this will be it. I don't know. I I've seen some combat. It looks less counterattack insta kill. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. He does a lot of running away yeah. from enemies instead of just murdering everyone. So maybe that's good. That could be. A there good also sign. seems to be an emphasis on like stealth and escaping. I don't know. We'll see. I'm not optimistic. <laughs> yeah. The uh, zip lining with your bare hands on a rope is a weird thing. I don't understand that. Change that, please. I just saw that. That Al, what the fuck? My yeah. man has no palms anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the final show that I'm going to jump into, and if you guys have anything else after this, feel free. But the PC gaming show, I thought it was a big letdown. I knew that Dune Awakening would be at the end of the show or uh, that it would be at the show, but it was actually what it was, was the one more thing at the end, which was like two hours and 10 minutes in. It was abundantly clear that the game is still very early on. I don't even think it's going to be an early access for a while. It's from Funcom. It's the next iteration. It's the Dune iteration of Conan Exiles, essentially, but more MMO. It really seems like they they are really harping on MMO. So I don't know if it's like a survival game with servers that have, you know, like player run servers or if it is an actual MMO, but they really keep harping on the MMO thing. So, so I don't know. But this game is still clearly a ways off. So I, I don't know. I don't really have any thoughts on it. It looks interesting. The things that they were saying were intriguing. Seems like the game could have some deep systems, but knowing Funcom, it's going to be an early access and it's going to be really fucking buggy for a long time, (laughs) but we'll have to see. The other thing that I want to point out from the show, though, is Nivalis, by far the most intriguing game of the bunch, and it was one of the first trailers of the show. I was excited when we first saw the game last year, and it just looks even better now. It looks like they've added a ton to the game. It's way deeper than I thought it was going to be, and just visually, it's so intriguing and... I think Nivalis looks just like a really fun time. It's going to be a really, really good Steam game that's going to live on my PC and I'm going to hang out in every once in a while and just looks fun. But Mike, any thoughts on the PC gaming show? Uh, I think what they showed was decent. Frostpunk 2 was nice. Nivalis was nice to see more of and know that it's not just like dead because yeah. I've been... Every like couple months, I look at the Steam page, and I'm just like, when are you going to tell me when you're coming out? I know, same. And, and there was there was really nothing um, over the last year. And correct me if I'm wrong, but they did give it a 2024 window. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Which, with like the scope that they presented at the PC gaming show, I that makes sense. So yeah, I'm fine with that, and I can wait as long as it's perfect. So it's perfect. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't know. Path of Exile is like shooting itself in the foot repeatedly, and I don't know why. It's so weird. The rollout of the trailers is so weird. It screams like they're no longer confident in what they have. Like it screams just like insecurity about what they're presenting. Because you would think PoE filled a void that Diablo 3 kind of left after its departure from Diablo 2. And PoE filled that and, you know, has a huge fan base because of it. And then, yeah, Diablo 4 just came out and Path of Exile 2 has been kind of like sitting in the wings. And we all thought when we saw it that it was like, okay, now it wants to, you know, slam its dick on the table. But instead, (laughs) it kind of just was like, hey, don't forget we're here. And then went into the closet. Like, I don't understand. And honestly like what i saw from the first show that they were in uh the summer Summer games fest Fest, yeah like it just looks like a graphical update and if the ui still sucks and the menu system still sucks and the skill tree is still impossible to navigate without a guide like i i don't care i've played through poe i spent a lot of time right before diablo 4 diving into poe to see okay to give it a fair shake and like it's just it's so complex and it's so like almost unintelligibly so and i just don't care (laughs) so poe 2 does not excite me what does excite me is citizen sleeper 2 is coming out oh yeah that is unexpected and huge and i'm excited um so yeah i'm looking at the list there's stuff here it wasn't bad what i don't like is that I'm sorry, Day 9, but... Oh, yeah. Your show is too long, and you aren't Devolver. Yeah, I don't like throwing around the word cringe, but it was... It was cringe at points. I guess, like, I don't understand why, after we've seen how successful the, the format of just showing trailer after trailer is and how much people like that, why we still insist on adding little skits and stuff like i don't understand that i i appreciate the like a desire for showmanship but like the execution just it really wasn't there this year i felt like usually the pc gaming show yeah at times is cringe but for the most part is fine this year i found myself just like muting the tab when it wasn't a game and that's yeah that's not good no one wants that yeah josh anything from the pc gaming show Not a goddamn thing. I know this isn't my scene, so I just didn't even bother. I took a brief look at the games. Uh, Most interesting thing was the Vampire Survivors patch. That's about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I think the the whole rollout of Path of Exile 2 trailers is so weird. Very short trailers. Snippets that really don't show you much of anything at all other than the graphical style. It was was a weird way for us to like see PoE 2 really for the first time instead of just having a proper trailer i I don't know it was it was weird i was legitimately expecting to get kicked in the teeth by them and they just were like no yeah very weird we we actually just didn't show up it's like oh okay i don't know if they were if they wanted to throw something out at diablo 4 but like they didn't meet their deadlines or something and they just like could didn't have anything ready i'm sure that's what they wanted to do I'm sure in a perfect world, they wanted to be ready to showcase like a full graphical trailer with 
or full gameplay trailer with release date and whatnot and just be like there you go get the fuck out of sanctuary and come over here but like i don't know if it if you know delays happened and they're just kind of fucked i don't know could be yeah we're not in sanctuary anymore could have been their tagline Mm-hmm. like a uh, rift in the old we're not in azeroth anymore trailer <laughs> oh god and then you go back to azeroth because rift is a uh, rift <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> all right well before we move on do you guys have any final general thoughts from any other shows or anything like that uh, starfield good starfield good all right well let's move on to over under co-op edition in over under i give our panelists a game title with a fake metacritic score or fake number of copies sold, and they have to tell me whether the actual true number is over or under the number that I gave them. The review scores are taken from Metacritic, and they're based on the best scoring launch platform. So we're going to play eight rounds, and the panelists are going to work together to come up with the correct answer. All right, guys. First game, Life is Strange. Fake score of 83. Mike, I feel like this would be something you might have a finger on the pulse but I have no clue about Life is Strange at all. Nothing. It's the best Life of Life is Strange game. <laughs> 83. I think it's higher than that. It's not. It's I. Problem is, I don't think it's above an 85, but it's Ooh. definitely above an 80. Want to risk it for the biscuit? Want to say over? Sure, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have any other <laughs> like inkling. <laughs> like, sure. Let's over it. Why not? All right, Life is Strange fake score of 83, real score 85, 85. On the fucking money. There you go. All right, next up we have Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, fake sales of 3.5 million. Damn, that's right in that range. (laughs) That's such a good one. Part of me wants to say over, but I also don't know Ratchet and Clank. Is this a PS5 exclusive? Yeah, it came with my PS5. Did 3.5 million PS5s get sold? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Obviously, it must have. Yeah, that is a lot, though. Especially, I that's that's making me wonder if it's going to be over, though. Then again, 3.5 is a lot. Like shitload. So, so Ratchet and Clank was bundled with PS5 for a while at release. So, if you bought a PS5, you just you bought Ratchet and Clank as well. I want to say under because 3.5 seems like a lot. I'll go with you. Let's go under. Let's do it. That does seem like a lot. For a PS5 exclusive. All right. Let's do it. Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart fake sales of 3.5 million, real sales of 1.1 million. Hey, damn, that seems really low. Yeah, I think it really suffered from being an early PS5 game. Yeah. All right. Detroit Become Human. A fake score of 80. I feel like it's got to be over. Detroit Become Human? I, I don't know. I, I just literally just because I've seen people talk about it I think it it's a, a cult classic, but yeah. I think it didn't do well with critics. I want to say it's in the 70s. But I'll go, I don't know. <laughs> I'll, I'll go. I mean, if it's cult classic-y, I mean, shit. I think it definitely is. I know people rant and rave about it and people play it all the time. Especially like content creators. Detroit Become Human is pretty popular. I just don't think it did well on release. I mean, there's a reason why there's not another Become Human game, right? (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. There's no Atlanta become human. <laughs> <laughs> so I I want to say it's like high 70s, but I'm with you on it. Let's Personally, do it. I don't think it's a high 70 game. I think it's above 80. I think it's probably like an 83 or 84, maybe even 85. I think it's like on par with Life is Strange from what I've seen, but like I just feel like it's like a 78. <laughs> Let's do it. 78 it is, baby. Well, the reason there's no Atlanta Become Human is because they got the license to a Star Wars game. <laughs> so that's mm-hmm. what they're doing. Oh. Detroit Become Human fake score of 80, real score 78. 78. Damn. Killing the game today, Mike. God damn. <laughs> All right. Next up, we have Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag fake sales of 12 million. I feel like it's 14. <laughs> I feel like it is. Yeah, it's got to be high. I mean, this game was popular as fuck. When he said the the name, my my first number was like 14. And he said 12. I'm just like, hmm. I mean, this bitch was on the 360, the PS3, PS4, the Wii U. It's released multiple times, too. This has got to have well over 12 million, I think. I think so. All right, I'm over. in agreement. Over. Let's do it. All right, Assassin's Creed 4, fake sales of 12 million, real sales of 11 million. Oh. Damn. What a right. shame. We were, we, were, we were hot. It was a heat check. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, I mean, you got three. You got the first three. You're only one down. You're in, you're in a good spot. All right, next up, we have Firewatch. Fake score of 79. I mean, it is. I enjoyed it, but it is effectively a walking sim. I could see it being lower, but then again, I, I this one's a hard one because I feel like Firewatch is eighty. I feel I, like that's being thing. cheeky. God damn it, that's the problem because it's not a bad game. It's just it's right in that special little range for people to give it a seven or eight out of ten. Eh, fuck it, we'll go above. Why not? Let's say eighty. Let's do it. All right, Firewatch fake score of seventy nine, real score of eighty one. Eighty one. Hey. <laughs> All right. Next up, we have Returnal. Fake sales of 1.25 million. This sounds... Does that include people who returned it? (laughs) (laughs) Did it sell more or less than Ratchet and Clank? I don't think it ever got really all the credit that like it probably had it coming its way. Like, yeah, I struggle with it, but it's a fun game. It's game of the year. It should have been. But I also never really saw anything on it aside from when we talked about it on the podcast when Mike was playing it. And that was like it. It should be game of the year. <laughs> it really should have been. What What were the... Uh, yeah, that was rough here. What were the... Um, uh, what was the sales numbers? Fake sales of 1.25 million. Okay. Uh, okay. One and a quarter. Damn. Nice. I feel like... Well, does it count? I wonder if it counts the uh, PlayStation Classic free shit. Probably not. That's just a download. I think lower. I don't know why I just do. I think it sold less than a million. Did we see any hype? I mean, I don't know. That is a risky gambit. I I, I don't know. Because Ratchet and Clank did shit. It was in the group of like Ratchet and Clank, Returnal, and Demon Souls. Demon Souls. Oh, Those three first. all came out at the sa- in the same wave, and that was like the buy the console, look at these pretty particle effects, because... Yeah, and Miles Morales. That was part of that. And Miles too. Morales, yeah. Ah, shit, that makes me want to say it's over because I feel like more people would have gone for the more 
classical dark game than Ratchet and Clank. There was also a lot of outrage over how hard the game was because people didn't realize what they were buying. That's which like, makes me shit. feel like it's over. It's hard as shit because you didn't find the save spot, Josh. I know. <laughs> Maybe one of these days when I reinstall it. It's not PS5 exclusive anymore, though, either. Oh, shit. Over? Giving us, giving us clues. I'm, I'm saying over. Oh, let's do over. over. Let's do over, yeah. Return all fake sales of 1.25 million, real sales of 560,000. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> I think that's officially the worst selling game we've had in Over Under. That's rough. That's bad. But also the best selling game from that studio. So, I mean, sure. They basically joined Sony after Returnal. Critically acclaimed game. Sells like dog shit. All right. Next up, we have two more games here. Divinity Original Sin 2, a fake score of 92. Higher. Yeah, higher. I'm with you. All right. Divinity Original Sin 2, fake score of 92, a real score of 93. Damn. Right on the edge. (laughs) Good shit. All right. In the final game, so you guys, you've only gotten two wrong, right? Yeah. Returnal uh, yeah. and yeah. Assassin's Creed 4. All right. Yeah. Final Fantasy 15. Fake sales of 8 million. I think it's under. I don't, know, I don't know why. But then again, it's Final Fantasy. So who knows? Yeah, I mean, I wish I didn't buy it. <laughs> Hated that game. <laughs> I don't know, though. It is a Final Fantasy game. I don't know. I'm just, I'm hellbent on it being under for some reason because it got shoddy praise. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, if under- we're wrong, we're wrong. Yeah, yeah, I think like it's it. under. Under it is, baby. All right, Final Fantasy 15, fake sales of 8 million, real sales of 10 million. Well, shit. <laughs> Did well. Them. Did well. <laughs> Speaking of Final Fantasy 15, I have an unclaimed copy for Xbox. I tried to gift it to Paul, but it didn't let him redeem it because he lives in Canada. So anyone, if anyone wants an Xbox one slash i guess series sx version of final fantasy 15 uh just dm me in discord and the first person who does it and wants it will get the code so there you go (laughs) not a bad gig royal edition so it comes with all the dlc all right let's move on to the water cooler we're going to take a quick break around the water cooler to discuss the games that we have been playing this week I know we've all been playing a shit ton of Diablo 4, so that's probably going to be the primary conversation here. So let's jump into it right away. Josh, let's talk about Diablo 4. So Diablo 4, my goodness, I have played nothing else this week, literally jack shit else. Uh, (laughs) I love this fucking game. I can't get enough of it. I am so grateful to have a fantastic Blizzard game again that I can just sink God knows how many hours into. Uh, I have completed the campaign. Uh, I'm level 53, almost 54. Uh, I'm in Nightmare Tier now, Tier 3. Doing uh, some Nightmare Dungeons here and there. Mostly just getting caught up on Renown. Uh, And it's it's been a lot of fun. I've only, as far as builds go, I've I've switched up a few with the Rogue. They have variations, but honestly, they have one in particular with Twisting Blades that you can kind of just do plays on with different like basic abilities and different uh, shadow poison imbuements. You can kind of play around with it. 
Uh, but honestly, at the end of the day, you're just going to be playing with Twisting Blades for the most part until more varied builds really start coming in and uh, kind of pulling their weight because it's just so strong. I'm really impressed. I, the campaign was a blast. The only act that really left me kind of, not soured, but just kind of like, all right, was uh, Act 3. Act 3 was a little underwhelming. They just had the one of the goofiest little cutscenes uh, in it, and I won't get too deep into it here unless we want to like say, hey, spoilers. Without spoiling, can you allude to the cutscene? So one character attacks another character, and it's just done in such a slow, lethargic manner that I don't know how the dude that was getting attacked didn't move. Like <laughs> It was like it was in slow motion how slow it was going. Uh, it and it just took me right out of it. It was the one cutscene where I was just like, "What the fuck is happening?" But other than that, for the most part, it was just a little bit of a sloppy bridge that built us to where we were going to get, which was Act Five and Act Six, which were both a blast. The cutscene in Act Six, I won't oh. discuss it in its entirety, but it is a testament to Blizzard and their ability to produce a fucking cinematic. Holy, I had me shitting myself. Yeah. There were so many dope moments in that that not only, you know, did their efforts in furthering the story, it was also just incredible. I mean, it it was just one of those moments that makes you go, holy shit. It made Diablo just such a... It, it made Diablo really cool. Like, I just did not give a shit about Diablo lore or anything about Diablo with Diablo 3. 4 turned that on its head and just made it a blast. I, I, was, I was pretty satisfied with where the story ended. Uh, you know, it leaves it um without spoiling too much it you know it, it gives you some threads to run with basically uh at the end of it and it's it's gonna be a lot of fun i think i was really really enjoyed the characters you know i, I wouldn't say it's too much of a spoiler to say you know there's demons uh and some of those demon characters <laughs> are uh pretty fantastic i honestly at some point was wanting to team up with some of them they were just so much fun to just like listen to like try to get you to want to do shit and manipulate you to do shit it, it was just so much fun. I, I really, really enjoyed the story, and I paid way more attention to it than I ever did with 3. It just it sucked me right in, and I was really, really happy. And I'd say overall, though, I'm just I'm having a blast. I'm super impressed. It's what I'm going to play when we finish up the podcast. Like It's all I have been doing. It's like when Elden Ring came out last year. I can't get enough of it. I just I'm, I don't know when enough's going to be enough. We'll see. <laughs> but I have a feeling the water cooler next week is going to be a shitload of Diablo 4 and not much else. But yeah, really, really, really impressed up to this point. Yeah, I was surprisingly shocked by how much I liked the story. I finished the story. I loved Act 6. I think it's truly incredible. I think that Act 6 is... It stands up there among like the best sections or slices of video game story. I think you have to play Act 6 in one sitting, otherwise you're doing yourself a disservice. Like you said, it, it featured not just a cutscene, but a, a full-on Blizzard cinematic and a fucking long one. Eight minutes. Eight minutes. I know the initial, the opening cinematic's really long too. That one's like maybe ten minutes. This one at the end of the game is eight minutes. It's Honestly, maybe the best cinematic Blizzard has ever done. And they've done a lot of really good ones. But I think a lot of Blizzard cinematics are always showing scenes and context doesn't matter a whole lot. This cinematic is about a very specific part of the story. And so, like, they didn't have to go this hard for us, but they did anyway. And 
just to tell such a story in a cinematic was really cool to see. And it, it, it the, while I was watching it, I was like, I just kind of want the story of Diablo 4 being told as a movie in a Blizzard cinematic now because it was that good. Man, I I really want to watch it again because it was it was just so fucking good. But yeah, Act Six honestly blew me away. It's it's the final act, and then you do have some like epilogue chapters after. But yeah, I mean it was it's just phenomenal. Act Six is 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 I liked the story going up to that, but the the journey that you take during Act Six is it's special, and I I I do think it's sort of cemented it as just a good video game narrative and so other than that though I, I do i really want to try out sorcerer i was waiting to finish the story on my barbarian in order to do that so that i'd be able to skip the story on the sorcerer and then i would have the mount right away as well so i'll probably be doing some of that this week trying out the sorcerer i know that is the most popular class right now according to the infographic that blizzard put out Barbarian's been fine. It's just I want to try something else, and I think Sorcerer is just kind of like fucking melting enemies right now. So I think that'll that would be kind of fun to to play around with. But Mike, let's go to you. You've been playing a shit ton of Diablo Four as well. I think you're the highest level out of any of us, and have probably progressed the most. What are your thoughts on Diablo Four? We haven't heard from from you either yet since you neither of you guys were on last week's episode. So what are you thinking? Hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll do a quick reiteration. I think Act 1 and 2 are great. Act 3 is shaky. Act 4 is bad. Act 5 is really good. And Act 6 is also really good. Act 6... Okay, so... Yeah, we talked about the cinematic a lot. I think that's like the cherry on top. Oh, yeah. Back in 2000 and whatever, when Diablo 2 came out, cinem- every act had a cinematic. And it was for 2000, you know, for the the 2000s, it was on the level of what we saw in Diablo 4. Diablo 3 had that for when you went to heaven, and that was about it. And honestly, with how the story is shaking up, I didn't really give a shit. I wasn't impressed. I didn't care. Uh, This is back to the quality that I wanted in Diablo and been waiting for I've always you know I've always sat there and like my one friend his blizzard franchise is Starcraft and then I've got friends like you guys whose franchise is Warcraft and it's just like ah you know Starcraft has great cinematics ah no Warcraft has great cinematics not Diablo (laughs) has got great cinematics let me tell you now it was like actual chills throughout most of it playing with my buddy throughout the entire story he sat there and he's just like this is just the trailer that they showed i'm just like yeah he's like do you want to skip it i'm just like no it's a good trailer so we watched it i was like this is more than the trailer <laughs> so um yeah no it was it was good really enjoyed it really good story really good return to morally gray which i oh, yeah. love i'm happy with everything that happened I need to ask chat GPT, was Lilith actually in the right? <laughs> I mean, I'd say yes. <laughs> listen, listen, this is, this isn't spoilers. This is nothing, <laughs> but you know, the, the release trailer of Diablo four or 
the summoning of Lilith, the by three they come. Oh, it's yeah. not it's not talking about Lilith. It's not talking about anything but the triune. So our boy's coming. Dibble's coming at some point. <laughs> He's coming. So I think there is something off with Diablo 4. I can't put my finger on it. There is something weird about it, gameplay-wise. I don't know what it is. I can't like vocalize it. It just feels a little weird at times, but otherwise it's good. Uh, the end game stuff is great. I think they nailed all but like one of their end game things. Uh, the hell tides are not good and they should be reworked. Um, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit in with the rest of the end game stuff. Like everything has its place in end game. And then you get to the hell tide and you're like, oh, I've got all these puzzle pieces that make this nice little end game jigsaw puzzle. So I expect Helltide to fit, and then it, it it doesn't. And you're like, why does this exist? So for more context, this isn't this isn't spoilers. This is fine, right? They the Helltide is where you go to farm like specific items, but like it doesn't work. <laughs> it's the best way to put it. You don't get legendaries guaranteed from these chests, and they take like 20 minutes oh. to find enough things to open. So you have to collect like currency around the map to open these specific chests. You can open one. You can open two per Helltide if you get there at the start because it flip it, it will respawn their position every hour and Hellspawns spawn on the half hour. So you get two chests of each hour long Helltide, but it doesn't give a guaranteed legendary. Uh, and in higher tiers, it doesn't give a guaranteed sacred or ancestral, which if it's not ancestral, where I'm at, which is tier four, and I'm level 67, so I'm looking for literally my end game build. I'm looking for Biss right now. And you sit there and you get, don't give me ancestrals guaranteed. I'm not doing this content because it's not good. On top of that, found out that there is a hidden mystery chest, and that's where all the legendaries are hiding, but it's hidden on the map and you have to go find it, which I think completely. Like the purpose of the Helltide was to go there to farm specific legendary armor pieces or weapons. Like you have a box that says box of boots. So you go there for boots. Like it right. was to help you take a little bit of the RNG out of the the grind and the acquisition, but it doesn't work. And I need them to fix it because it's bad. Um, on top of that, my build keeps getting fucked because Barbarian is overpowered and they don't know how to fix it literally barbarian caused one of the uh aspects oh, fuck, i don't remember what it's called uh it's an aspect that says your mastery abilities or your mana casting abilities whatever it is does more damage based on how much of your resource you have oh when you cast it and i have an ability that for two seconds I can cast any ability and it doesn't cost any mana. So basically I can get full for two seconds. I get a big DPS boost, which is great. Unfortunately, it's broken with the uh, barbarian whirlwind build. So they deactivated it. And now my build just kind of is a wet noodle and doesn't work. And I'm just like, why? I don't play Barbarian for those at home. I play Sorceress. Why is this <laughs> affecting my build? Why is Barbarian being overpowered fucking me over? <laughs> Anyways, 
it's good. It's great. I'm probably going to try to get to level 100. I'm excited for the new season whenever they announce it. I don't care if the battle pass looks like ass. This is a huge <laughs> W for Blizzard so far. They can take all of their bad juju and dump it into Overwatch 2 and make that complete dog shit for all I care because Diablo 4 has been extremely cash. It's getting a little repetitive, but it's not bad. Uh, and I'm excited to do a new character because I love my sorceress. She's great. Uh, she's named Azula. She's fire, 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 as her namesake would be. And I make a I, I make a fire and a big snake, and I dance around it as they die. Very nice. It fucks you up. Love it. I know that people don't want to think of Diablo 4 as a live service game, but it is. And as a live service game, this has been a really good launch. To have so much at the launch is really good. I mean, these sort of things only get better. So the fact that Blizzard's going to be able to add to this, make balance changes from a baseline that is already really good is... Really nice to see. Like 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 Mike said, this is a big W for Blizzard. So yeah, I mean it's it's just nice to see that such a massive online game came out and was just as good as this is at launch because we don't often see that these days. All right, so I do want to talk about one other thing that I have played this week, and that is the Final Fantasy 16 demo. The game comes out on the 22nd. The demo released earlier this week. And it's really impressive. I'm really hyped to play this game now. The story in the demo, which is the prologue, was shockingly powerful. And now, like, I, I just can't wait to play the full release when it comes out on the 22nd. It's going to take all my time. It's going to take me away from Diablo. I immediately bought the game as soon as I finished the demo. I went to the PlayStation Store and bought the standard edition. I don't need the art book. I don't need the soundtrack. <laughs> I can, I'll get that on Apple Music later on. <laughs> But I'm pumped for this game. It's it's the most Western-feeling JRPG I think I've played. I know the FromSoft games can probably feel that way a bit as well, but obviously those are different animals. But it also makes sense because we know that Square Enix has said that this is sort of their attempt at a Game of Thrones type of epic. And so far, it really fucking feels that way. It's great in that sense. But my main concern is that that they're going to try too hard to emulate Game of Thrones, like to a T. Like even some of the language in the prologue that's thrown around, it it had me kind of like, oh yeah, they're really just kind of ripping some of these titles and this vernacular right from Game of Thrones. But as I played more, I was less concerned about it as it sort of, as it started to dig deeper into the high fantasy, the Final Fantasy-esque aspects of things, I was less concerned about that. And then on the positive side of things, for me, at least, the anime aspect that you usually find in a JRPG, it's way, way toned down. The dialogue is, it sounds less localized and more domestic, which is kind of weird because it is Final Fantasy, but it works here. It just, it sounds like dialogue from Game of Thrones. Like that's the best way that I can say it because that's what they're trying to do. They're actually accomplishing it, which I did not think was going to be the case. I know, like, I, I watched trailers for this game. I, I've been paying attention to it, but I just, like, wasn't buying it. They were saying, this is our Game of Thrones. I did not buy it, but it really does feel like that's what's happening. 
I gotta, I gotta download this bitch. I absolutely am gonna have to download this and yeah. give it a shot because that that sounds fascinating as shit to me. Combat looks fun, but damn that that just the story wise, story beat wise, that sounds interesting. Yeah, it's like two or three hours, so you can knock it out just in one sitting, and the combat is good. You mentioned it there; it's fluid. It does feel sort of weird playing this kind of combat style on a Final Fantasy game, but it seems to be working out really great. Yes, the boss fights are long and early on kind of boring because you don't have a lot that you can do, but I think it's going to get better as the game goes on because you're going to unlock a whole bunch of different abilities. But yeah, it is very button mashy early on, although your standard enemies go down pretty quickly. So it's not the same fears that we had of like a Devil May Cry. They're not that squishy. The bosses are, but... Bosses in all Final Fantasy games that I've played have had a shit ton of health and have been long boss fights, so that wasn't really surprising to me anyway. I do have two technical complaints. There are frame rate issues, even in frame rate mode. However, we do know that the demo is an older build of the game, so hopefully that is fixed for the launch. The demo is like 1.01 and the current build is like 1.03 or something like that, so hopefully it's fixed or at least better. And then the other thing is the camera will try to pull itself behind your character too much. It tries to follow behind too closely. And I really hope that we have an option to, in the release build, to have a a fully free camera because it can be annoying at times. It can kind of feel like I'm fighting with the camera, which is a little annoying. But it I could also get used to it. If I, if I absolutely have to, I'll get used to it. But I would like more control. But that's it. I'll play more Diablo 4 this week. I'll play a Sorcerer, and then I'll get ready to jump full bore into uh, Final Fantasy 16. I'm really excited about the game now. All right, but let's move on to Bait and Twitch. In Bait and Twitch, I give the panelists a choice between two games and ask them which one currently has more viewers on Twitch right at this moment. The panelists can make the same guesses, but whoever made the most correct guesses at the end wins. We're going to play six rounds. This game was suggested to us by Patreon supporter Derek versus the world. All right, round one, gentlemen. Which has more viewers right now, Valorant or Counter-Strike Global Offensive? Ooh, that's a toughie. Valorant's always popping, but CSGO also is CSGO. I don't know, fuck. I'm not going to overthink it. I'm going Valorant. Sounds like you're overthinking it. I think I was. Um, hmm. Yeah. Does anyone watch CSGO? (laughs) I'm going Valorant. I mean, it's got to be, right? I don't know. I have no idea, but sure. All right. Valorant, 100,000. Counter-Strike Global Offensive, 35,000. Okay, good. No one watches it. Glad I read the room on that one. (laughs) All right. Next round, we have Apex Legends. Or Fortnite? Fortnite. It's gotta be. Yeah. Then they just released chapter, the next chapter. It's gotta be Fortnite. Apex hasn't updated. Apex Legends, 42,000. Fortnite, 51,000. Damn, closer than I thought it was gonna be. Close. Yeah. Close. But right is right, so I don't care. <laughs> okay, next round. We have Street Fighter 6 or Tears of the Kingdom. Oh, God. Shit. That's a toughie. Street Fighter 6 like, just released, didn't it? 
pretty recently. I think, I think this one's. I mean, Tears of the Kingdom is is always popping, but I mean, we're what a month past, month and a half. Tears of the Kingdom, old news. Yeah, no you, people made enough. The people made enough giant texts with dicks that you know people had their fun. Yeah, they had their fun on their powerpoints. <laughs> people were fucking crazy about it, but yeah, I don't know. I think. Yeah, I know. I'm looking at one. Street Fighter's new. I'm gonna go Street Fighter Six. I, Street I Fighter's just new and fun and meme and Donkey just released a video on it, so I'm going Street Fighter Six. That has there should be no correlation there, but. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Street Fighter 6, 27,000. Tears of the Kingdom, 14,000. Yeah, it's a dead game. Let's go. Dead game, <laughs> dead, yeah. Dead game, yeah. <laughs> so you both have, you both are three for three, right? Yep. Oh, is this a competitive game? This is competitive, yes. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> I mean, we've just been agreeing anyways. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Next up, we have World of Warcraft or Rocket League. Oh, WoW's always up there. Asthma's not live though. I know that for a fucking fact. I'm going Rocket League. I think RC. I think RLCS is going on right now, so I'm going Rocket League. I did just get like a thing for Rocket League, uh, season eleven. I think. I don't think it's out yet. Yeah, I think we're like a week into the new season. I think. Fuck it. Wow. Wow. Classic exists. I guess. It's true. All right. We've got World of Warcraft twenty one thousand. Rocket League, twelve thousand. Oh, damn! Oof, damn! I guess we're right. not live anymore then. Next round, we have PUBG Battlegrounds or New World. God, what the fuck, New World? <laughs> That's a name I haven't heard in a while. I think it's got to be Battlegrounds. I mean, New World. Yeah. Like, who gives a shit? I'm going PUBG. Don't fail me, <laughs> PUBG. Yeah, no, I refuse to go New World on principle. All right. There's PUBG, no 4.5,000. Oh, no. New World, <laughs> oh, no. 4,000. Damn. Oh, my God. God damn, there's 4,000 people watching New World. <laughs> That's more people than are playing New World. <laughs> you right. Might be right. No, 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 no. It's no, not no. true. No, there's probably like, 10,000 people playing. Let's see. Uh, Let's, see I think right Let's just see. Fuck it. Yeah. No, they're at, they're at 11. Okay. Jesus Christ. 1,500. All right. Final round. Are you guys tied still? Uh, no, Mike's got me about one. Okay. Haha. I'm just going to pick whatever you pick. I do have a tiebreaker <laughs> if need be. All right. Elden Ring or Overwatch 2? Ooh. That's a good one. I'll Michael, let you, you pick go first. first. No, oh, Mike, you're going to let me pick first? You go first because I got to go opposite. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, there's been absolutely nothing. Overwatch 2 just had that trailer. It's got to be Overwatch 2, right? Like, that trailer was slightly hype for a game that literally just dick slapped their entire community <laughs> like two weeks ago. So. Yeah, I'm going to do that. Maybe there's drops this weekend. I don't know. There's nothing for Elden Ring. Yeah, there's no I, reason people should be watching that game. No, I would. You, you wouldn't catch me dead watching some Elden Ring uh, until the DLC anyways. There's no shot, but I got to pick it anyways. Elden Ring. <laughs> All right. Elden Ring 7000. Overwatch 2, 24,000. <laughs> 
<laughs> as expected. <laughs> All right, I do want to. I just want to do the tiebreaker anyway because let's do it. I, I think it'll be fun. I want the closest guess to the current amount of viewers for Halo Infinite. <laughs> wow, I'm gonna go six point five k. That seems awfully high. I'm just hoping maybe that people got some new shit they're watching. I don't know. I'm going to go. I mean, it's a closest or prices. Yeah, right. Clo- well, closest. Damn. Um, <laughs> I want to go $1, Bob. <laughs> it's a bad guess, but I want to say $1, Bob, because I want to see how low this goes. <laughs> All right. The amount of people watching Halo Infinite right now, 1.9 thousand. Oh my God. <laughs> Holy shit. God, that game fell off so hard. Yeah. So that's Mike. Hey, the $1 one. With a $1. <laughs> with it, not even prices right rules. That's how fucking bad that game fell <laughs> off. Holy shit. There are only three streamers right now in English streamers with over 50 viewers. Wow. Has there no now I want to Google. Just they announced the the like career rank stuff. I don't know if that went live yet. Yeah, that might have had people get excited for a second. Their new rank board, yeah. Their rank board comes out June twentieth. That might get some people back. Week from today, as of recording. All right, well, let's move on to a special shout out. Each panelist is going to give a special shout out to anyone or anything of their choice from the world of video games and provide a quick reason why it's lucky someone is getting this attention. Josh, your special shout out, please. Special shout out to the butcher in Diablo 4. I ran into that bitch. He startled the shit out of me, but I still killed his ass. Yeah, I haven't seen the butcher yet, and I haven't seen a loot goblin, treasure goblin, whatever it's called. I haven't seen either wow. yet. I I don't I know. I can understand it's the butcher, but like I see treasure goblins like you haven't seen a single treasure goblin yet? I haven't seen a single one. My buddy I see Spencer's... one like every hour. Yeah, That's I was going to say, I've my buddy every Spencer session. sees them all the time. He saw like six in an hour once. It's insane. That's crazy. Oh, I want to make one, one big complaint about Diablo. And I've made this complaint before, but now it has impacted me severely since I've gotten the game. I need an overlay map because <laughs> this fucking sucks. The reasoning that they gave for why they didn't include an overlay map was they wanted us to look at the world and not the map overlay. But the problem is I'm just staring in the top right corner the whole time looking at my map anyways. So just put it on the screen so that I can see the world behind it. All right. <laughs> Do that. <laughs> Please. Mike, your special Please. shout out. Um, hmm. Special shout out. This is a very special shout out to... Oh. My piano teacher, who is going to be looking at my blog posts, or not blog posts, the podcast, later. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, and out. we are working on a little little piece from a game that uh, Matt might know and probably enjoys. The main theme from Horizon Zero Dawn. Whoa, cool. Yeah. Very nice. I, I I need a I need you to do a recording of that so I can so I can see it. Okay. All right. A special shout out to Jeff Keeley for his Final Fantasy bait and switch during the Summer Game Fest. That was a really fucking funny moment. 
And it was even more funny then when at the end, we actually did get a Final Fantasy announcement with the Rebirth gameplay. But it was really funny where he was like, speaking of Final Fantasy, and it was like a Taco Bell promotion or something like that. And, he, <laughs> and he's like, no, no, no. He's like, he was telling everyone like, don't, because everyone's like, oh, everyone's getting excited. He's like, no, no, calm down. It's not what you think it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Taco Bell ads. But then at the end, there actually was a big Final Fantasy reveal. So that was kind of funny. But thank you all for joining us here on the Game Groups podcast, the all-encompassing weekly gaming podcast from us, the Goodnight Groups. If you really like the show, we encourage you, check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash goodnightgroups. We have two tiers. All support, though, is appreciated. It's all going to go a long way, improving everything here. But the $3 plus tier, so the first tier, it's going to get you access to the show two days early. And a special shout out to all of them, all our honorary groups supporting us in the $5 plus tier, that's Andre D, Cole T, Derek versus the world, James B, James S, and Jeremy R. A round of applause for them, please. Woo! We also ask if you can take a couple minutes to drop a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It's all going to help. And if you don't want to do the Patreon or you can't do the Patreon right now, that's another good way to, to support the podcast. But also check out goodnightgroups.com for all of the content. We're going to find this podcast, Southern Fried Groups, game reviews that we've done in the past. There haven't been any lately, but our past catalog is there and more. There is a Wow City tier list coming out soon. So check that out when it's up. But on the website, you're also going to find the link to the community Discord where you can hang out with everyone, get the quickest updates and chat with everyone in the community on a daily basis. It's a fun spot. A lot of lot of chatter lately. It's been it's been pretty lively. It's been it's been fun. A lot of breakfast every single day. So much breakfast. I'm getting sick of it. Before we get out of here, guys, do we have any final thoughts? Check your tire pressure. Be sure. Be safe. That's just good advice. That's gonna do it for us here today. Gentlemen, <laughs> thank you for joining me. Take care, everyone. <laughs>